Well, good morning, everybody. Hopefully, all is well in your world. Thank you so much for being here. If today is your first time with us, I hope that it will not be your last. Thank you for choosing us. My name is Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at New City. And today, as we continue our train station sermon series, we'll be talking about a focused mind, a focused mind. But before we do that, let's pray together. Our God and our Father, we're grateful for this moment. God, it's a holy moment. It's a moment filled with your grace. God, we count it a privilege now to sit at your feet and to learn of you. That's why we came, to hear a word from you. So since you are the authority in this space, move according to your will and get the glory in our minds and in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so for the benefit of those who may be joining us for the first time, let me do just a little bit of a recap um, to bring you up to speed to where we are now with our train station series. This series is about the power of our brains and the importance of pursuing the mind of Christ. And in this series, we've been using the metaphor of a train station to talk about our brains and our thought life with the idea that your brain is a train station and every thought has a destination. Your brain is a train station and every thought has a destination. We were reminded uh, that God gave each of us a beautiful mind, a beautiful mind. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ, a powerful engine that when rightly focused can do unbelievable things for the kingdom of God. Now, conversely, when our brains are not focused on truth, when the mind of Christ has little influence on our thoughts, our brains can become a runaway train, a dangerous force that sends uncontrolled thoughts, words, and actions in every direction, which is important for you and I to pay attention to because thoughts are powerful, right? Thoughts are powerful. And we looked at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, where the Apostle Paul talks about this, and we learned that our responsibility through and by the Holy Spirit is to destroy these proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God. Our responsibility through and by the Holy Spirit is to capture these rebellious and negative thoughts and teach them, he says, to obey Christ, just like the thoughts that some of us might be having now right? Our responsibility is to capture them. We talked about this last week, that we are to not allow those thoughts to linger because every bad thing that's happened in the world and in our lives started as a thought, began as a thought. And since part of the challenge with this for us is that we tend to believe lies, right? Even our own lies, it's part of the challenge. And since that's a part of the challenge, then we need to let God transform us by the renewing of our minds. Because if we don't let God, as we talked about last week, if we don't let God transform us, then we will conform to the systems of this world. We will conform to the systems of this world. We talked about the fact last week that one happens by default and the other happens by deliberate or intentional submission. So if we don't submit our thought life to the power of God, then by default, we will automatically conform to the culture, to the system 
of this world. And so today we're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we're going to talk more about how we do this. How do we do this? How do we lay good train tracks, if you will, for our thought life? And so with that, I'll start by summing it up in one word, discipleship. Discipleship. In other words, this series, this train station series following Jesus with our thoughts is all about discipleship. It's all about discipleship. In fact, Dallas Willard says this about discipleship. He says that discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. So as we dive into this today and you think about this process of discipleship and laying good train tracks, I want you to begin to think about uh, these train tracks as neuropathways, if you will. We often use the phrase train of thought, don't we? Train of thought. So I want you to think about these train tracks in your mind as neuropathways. Many of you may be familiar with Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's a cognitive a neuroscient, neuroscientist, and she's done tons of research about the mind and brain connection. She was one of the first in her field um, to study how the brain can change, right? Neuroplasticity, how the brain can change with directed mind thought. In other words, the brain can change when we're intentional about what we think. In fact, that's what that's, that's a part of the process of neuroplasticity. It's part of that process. The brain can change with directed mind input. Directed mind input. She wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. She wrote a book, book called Switch on Your Brain in which she says this. She says, thoughts change the structure of matter. Thoughts change the structure of matter. She also says this in the book. She says, as we think... We change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. Now, this, this reminds me of something that my brother says, uh, well, used to say to his kids all the time. He used, to, he used to tell them to turn their brains on. Many of you parents probably can relate to that. He used to say, turn it on and leave it on. Turn it on. And leave it on. You can, you can have that. If you got kids and you, if that resonates with you, you can have that one. That's courtesy of Courtney Gray. That's what he used to tell his kids all the time. And the same is true for us as adults. The same is true for us. Because when we do, when we direct our thought life in a positive way or towards the things of God, powerful things can happen in our hearts and in our lives. So... If we are going to get negative or ungodly thoughts out of our brains, we must begin or continue to put godly thoughts in. Because it's not just about not thinking bad thoughts. Right? It's not just about don't, don't, think, don't think anything bad. It's also what Paul said that we must do in the verses just, that we just read. Fix your thoughts. Other versions say it like this. Think on these things. In fact, that's our bottom line. Think on these things. Things And this is, this is easier said than done for a lot of us. And so I want to use a, a quick illustration here. You, you've probably seen this uh, before. But um, as I pour this water in this container here, 
what we can't see that's happening is two things. One, the container is being filled with water, but it's also dispensing air. In other words, as I pour water in, I'm pushing air out. And so as you think about this, the best way to get ungodly thinking out is to put godly thinking in. So as we pour truth, as we pour truth, the knowledge of God, into our minds, we are simultaneously dispelling lies. We are switching our brain on to what it was created to do. And this is, this is why our, we have to be intentional about our thought lives, because that's what the real battle is for, isn't it? The real battle is for our attention. That's what the battle is for. Because we gravitate towards what we focus on. We move towards, sometimes slowly, sometimes swiftly, we move towards the things that we focus on. So how do we know, how do we know if a thought is godly or not? With so many competing thoughts trying to enter into our, into our thought life, how do we know what needs to be pushed out or not? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. We need a filter. We need a filter for these 50 to 70,000 thoughts that we have per day. We need a filter. Many of you have water filters in your home, don't you? We have water filters in our home, but we don't have a filter for our thoughts. And so this is what we're going to talk about today because the Apostle Paul helps us with this. He helps us. He gives us a filter, if you will, to put our thoughts through. And so moving forward today, I want you to use this, these things that Paul shares that we're going to go over here in just a minute as a filter for the things that you think. Let's look at Philippians 4. Verses 8 and 9 again. Let's look at this, this filter that he gives us. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Now, notice he doesn't just say, fix your thoughts on positive things. Notice he doesn't leave us there, but he tells us what to fix our thoughts on. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So I want you to think about this filter system or these train tracks, if you will, in your mind that we're getting ready to go through. Now, Paul is writing this. He's writing this letter. He's concluding his letter to the church at Philippi. This is a church that he loves. He loves these people. But guess what? They're just like you and I. They struggled. They struggled. They struggled in their thought life. They had stress in their lives. They're real people. They had disappointment. They had discouragement, just like we do. And what does he tell them to do? He tells them to fix their thoughts. And likewise, God is telling you and I today to fix our thoughts. Now, maybe one of these resonates more than the others with you. One commentary said um, regarding these verses, he said, these are the fruit and the food of the mind that is guarded by the peace of God. He said, when we put these good things into our minds, they stay in our mind and then come forth from 
us. They come forth from us. Now, as we go through these things, this is not an exhaustive teaching on these. We can spend, we can do a series on each of these words, but I do want to give you a, a frame of reference when you read these words and you think about these words. The first thing he says is focus on things that are true. Focus on things that are true. Now, if you were with us last week, we talked about the fact that we believe lies, don't we? We talked about this survey that says that for many of us, in as little as 45 minutes, something that we once knew to be true, we now can believe it as a lie. So he says, focus on what is true. Now, you've heard me mention this before. This is what is true is, is in our society today. Unfortunately, it's a relative statement, isn't it? You heard me mention that Pilate stood before Jesus and said, what is truth? Truth was right in front of him, and he asked the question, what is truth? And our culture is asking the same thing. Our culture is asking the same question, what is truth? And many of us, if we're honest, we ask this question too, what is truth? Well, well the book tells us what truth is, doesn't it? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth he said, I am the way. He says, his words are the truth. And so as we think about thinking on things that are true, you can't think about something you don't know. You can't think about something you don't know. So if you don't know God's truth, how can you think about God's truth? I mentioned last week that the way to see all temptation is to see temptation as an appeal by the enemy of your soul to believe and accept a lie. To believe and accept a lie, to believe an untrue story about God, about yourself, and about the world. So if I'm going through something that has been traumatic in my life, if I don't know what God's word has to say about it, how can I think about what God says about what I've been through? If I don't know, then by default, I'm going to believe the lie. We talked about this last week. The enemy comes at many of us the same way. He leverages the trauma that we've been through. He leverages the trauma that we've been through, and he tells us lies about that story. So Paul says, think on what is true. Then he says, think on what is honorable, what is worthy of respect. Now, not just towards God, not just towards others, but also towards yourself. It's dishonorable to allow a lie to linger. It's dishonorable. It's dishonorable to, to God. It's dishonorable to your story. And other people are subsequently affected by lies that we allow to linger because they're not worthy of respect. He says, think on what is right. What is right? Now, this is interesting to me because we tend to focus on doing what's right and not thinking about what's right. So here he's calling us to shift our focus from doing to thinking, and he calls us to think about what is right. So for us, to constantly do the next right thing, the next right thing, we need to be thinking right thoughts. We need to be thinking right thoughts. This helps you and I not, get, not to get caught up in what everybody else is doing, what the culture is doing, what the world is saying, what the world is thinking. So it says think on what is right. Then he says think on what is pure. Now, I, I mentioned this last week. Sometimes, sometimes we like to think about things that are impure, don't we? If we're honest, we like to think about things that are, that, are, that are unholy. For some of us, it brings some sort of a justification. That bitterness from the trauma that we've been through, I feel justified in being bitter because I was wrong. 
right? But he says, think on things that are pure. So many impure thoughts are coming at us in the world today. So many impure thoughts. But one of the things that God wants us to know is that we, we don't have to be a prisoner. We don't have to be a prisoner to these thoughts. We don't have to be pr a prisoner to moments of temptation. We can decide now to think on things that are pure. We can decide now to seek purity over morality. But again, this is a challenge for most of us. It's a challenge for many of us. You know why? Because that means shifting from things that are the sources of impure thoughts. Whether it's a show, whether it's a song, whether it's a person. Sometimes thinking on things that are pure means changing the atmosphere. Changing things that in one season may have brought us a whole lot of comfort. Shifting from things that in one season may have, may have made us feel good about ourselves. But the reality is, according to God's word, it could be unpure. And so we are called to think about things that are pure rather than impure. The truth is, family, that we can't always control the thoughts that come, right? We can't always control the thoughts that come, but we can control how long they stay and what we do with them when they do come. And that's the calling for us. He says next, think on things that are lovely, things that are kind, generous, and giving. We can be a blessing to somebody, an encouragement to somebody. I heard somebody say, your day isn't done until you've helped someone. Your day isn't done until you've helped someone. And you never know how God is going to use you to help them, right? You never know how God is going to use them to help them. I was sharing with our team this morning, the Lord reminded me about the power of our witness. The power of our witness. Some of you know my wife has been in and out of the hospital for the last couple of weeks. And, and I say that also to solicit your prayers uh, for us. But one of the things that, that, that God showed me in that is as she had to be transported throughout the hospital to take different tests. A guy would come in, a great guy, his name was Henry, he would come in and he was always such a bubbly guy, such a bubbly guy. He would say, hey, how you guys doing? So good to see you. So he would come in and he would, I, every time he came in the room, I would help him help her. I would help him get her up, make sure the gown was closed in the back, right? You know, the gown with the back, I'd make sure the gown was closed in the back. I would help him help her get in a wheelchair and get to where he needed to take her. And so about the second, third time he came, he would always say to Jacqueline, you know, hey, you, you, got, a, you got a good one here. You got, a, you got a good husband. So I'm, okay, I don't know where it's coming from, but, but God bless you. Thank you. And so every time he came in the room to transport Jacqueline somewhere different, he made a big deal out of it. He made a big deal out of it. And so when we were, when we were leaving, after they discharged her from the hospital, when we were leaving, um, he wasn't her transport this particular time. A young lady was pushing her in the wheelchair, and we were coming through the lobby, and we saw Henry again. He said, hey, finally going home, huh? So we was like, yeah, Henry, man, thank you so much for, for all your help. And, and so he was just going on and on and on again about the things that he saw in us. And so later that evening when we got home, Jacqueline was telling me that, that Henry told her that he, uh, he doesn't see uh, spouses or people that come to the hospital with somebody, he doesn't see them help the person they came with often. He told her a story about a husband and wife that had come, and he was helping the husband, and he had to transport him to another place in the hospital, and the husband needed his socks to be put on. And when Henry came to get the man, he, the man asked his wife, hey, sweetie, can you help me put my socks on? And she said, no, he can help you. That's what, he, that's what he's here for. That's what he gets, that's what he gets, paid, that's what he gets paid to do. 
And so Henry said to us before we left, he said, you guys are the story that I'm going to tell from now on. And then that, the Lord reminded me about the power of a witness. The power of a witness doing what is lovely, what is right, being a blessing to somebody. You never know how God is going to use you to do that. You never know. Another thing God said is that your witness is not just what you say, but it's how you live. And what we're learning in this series is it's also how we think. It's also how we think. So he says, think on things that are lovely. He says, think on things that are admirable. It means to speak good or well of. Doesn't mean that we ought to be dishonest, but it means that even when we're discerning, we can be wise. And even when it comes to feedback, we can be critical. But cynicism is like kryptonite to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And we live in a culture that celebrates cynicism. And so the call for you and I in this is to look for the good in people's situations and in our own life. To begin to think towards the good. Think towards the good. Then he says, think on things that are excellent, right? Excellent, notice, excellent, not extravagant. Everything we do for Jesus should be excellent. And he says, think on things that are praiseworthy. For you and I, we can bring God our thoughts as worship. We can literally present our thoughts to God as acts of worship. He says, think about these things. Think about these things. Now, remember what the result is. The result, we talked about this last week, clarity comes. Because we'll know what God's will is for us. We'll gain clarity about what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to do it, who we're supposed to do it with. As God transformed our lives by the renewing of our minds. How would your life change if we, if we did this? How would your life change if we did this? How many thoughts are in our brains now that would have never made it through this filtering process? This is important for us because we talked about this last week. Remember, the enemy has a destination that he's trying to take us to. It's not negative, evil thoughts for the sake of having negative or evil thoughts. The enemy plants seeds and he has a particular harvest in mind. And that's a harvest of destruction in your life and in my life. But the beautiful thing about this for you and I is as we let Jesus change our minds, we'll watch Jesus change our lives. As we let him change our minds, we'll watch him change our lives. And then finally, Paul says in verse 9, he says, keep putting into practice. He says, put into practice. So don't just think about, but, but put these things into practice. Put what things into practice? What I just said. Put these things into practice. Paul knew that godly, good and godly thoughts have to be practiced. Because when we walk out of this building, when we turn on the TV, when we read the newspaper, it, in, it influences us to think things that are ungodly and that are not good. And so what he's pushing us towards is to, towards having thoughts that will become a train of thought. This is what he's pushing us towards. What if you and I began to put godly train tracks in our brain? What if we began to do this? What if we began to put these things into practice over and over and over again? How do we do that? We put the filter on our thoughts. Think about what, what Paul talked about. And then we practice those things. We practice thinking these things. 
here's another beautiful result. He, he mentioned this in, in, in verse 9 in the last part of the verse. He says, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. For most of us, we don't know how much we need peace until we don't have it. Because when tragedy strikes, that's not the time for us to seek peace. This is a calling for you and I to experience peace every day. Every day we live. But, but I want you to get this. It's not just the peace of God with you, but it's the God of peace with you. So our thoughts, friends, our practices either invite or dispel the very presence of God in our lives. Our thoughts either invite or they dispel. And so as part of our application this week, I'm going to ask that together we would read Philippians 4, 8 and 9 every morning this week. That we'll read it every morning this week. Because discipleship primarily has two elements, right? It has a personal element, things we must do on our own, but then it has a community element. Because the truth of the matter is consistency is hard to do without community. So as we read Philippians 4, 8, and 9 this week, I want you to remember that you're not doing it alone. You have brothers and sisters that are reading with you. That are, that are trusting God as we submit our thought life to the king of glory. Some of you know we have group leak coming up. That's the opportunity for, for those of us that are not in community to get connected. I don't know about you, but I don't know where, where I would be without community. So whether we're, we're, whether we're by ourselves or whether we're in community, it's important for us to follow God's invitation to think on these things. That's what this train station series is about, accepting God's invitation to think on things other than what we've been thinking about, which is often difficult, right? As I spent most of the week, my wife in the hospital, it was difficult to think on things that are lovely and pure and honorable. Because it literally calls for us to think above what we see. But that's what faith is, right? Scripture says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So literally, God was calling me to walk by faith. It's difficult when you're watching someone you love hooked up in pain. Believing God for answers. This is what we've been called to. Not just me, but everybody in this room. 
I believe God is going to do some amazing things. He's going to transform us as we submit our thought life to the King of glory. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you are true. You are honorable. You are right. You are pure. You're lovely. You're admirable. You're excellent. You're praiseworthy. So we ask that you would help us to think on these things. Pray that you help us to use these things to capture negative and rebellious thoughts. Pray that you help us to put these things into practice. Not just in good times, God, but in the not so good times. grateful that these filters help us to focus our faith on you not on what we see so father we submit our thought life to you afresh today we pray that you would help us to allow you to be lord even there and we thank you for the peace that we'll experience Thank you for the joy that we'll experience. Thank you for the transformation that only you can do. We thank you for it. We bless you for it. And we honor you for it. For you are God alone. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.